Welcome to... Sorry, you ready? <laughs> Sorry. I dropped a pen. Surprised you didn't hear that, Dave. I did hear it. (laughs) (laughs) This week on the Whiskey and Things podcast, episode 54, we're trying some Irish whiskey. Yes, teeling, single grain. And to join us in drinking this wonderful dram, we are joined by ex-Irish international rugby union player, Mike McCarthy. As always, you can find some more whiskey-based content, images and videos, etc. on our social media platforms, at Whiskey and Things Podcast on Instagram, and at Whiskey and Things on Facebook and Twitter. But if you would like to help us out even more, please just leave us a review on your favourite podcast platform. Those Apple reviews make a big difference to us. And you can also do it on Facebook as well. Go, 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 go! You're listening to the Whiskey and Things Podcast with Dave Giles and Nick Kent. Welcome to episode 54 of Whiskey and Things. I'm Dave Giles. And I'm Nick Kent. Hello. How's it going, mate? How's it going? Sun is shining down here. Is it up there? It is. It is shining up here in Manchester. It doesn't happen often. No, no, it doesn't. So enjoy um, it. What are you doing um, inside then? Let's do this quickly then, talk so to you can get out and enjoy it. <laughs> it would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm excited about this week's show because we've got a very special guest. This is our first professional sports person, which uh, yeah, I'm really excited about because yeah, it's a good start to the new. It's not season two, is it? We decided against it, everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No season season two. two. We're just just rolling on. But uh, it's a good start to the second year of the Whiskey Things podcast. Absolutely. Professional sports person. Who we met on Instagram, essentially, right? That's that's how that happened. He he followed us on Instagram and we just got chatting. So that's how this one came about. So today we have an international rugby union player. That's right. He had 19 caps for Ireland Rugby Union, Mr. Mike McCarthy. So let's get straight on with that, shall we, Nick? Yeah, here we go. Absolutely. Welcome to Whiskey and Things, Mike McCarthy. Mike, you're our first professional sportsman, so thanks very much for, for joining us. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Obviously, we know you as a, as a rugby player, someone who used to play for Ireland, but there must be more to it than that. Yeah, lads, first of all, thanks very much for having me. Very excited. Um, yeah, no, I um, I started playing uh, professionally in t- two, when did I leave school? 2000, and, 2000, sorry. I signed from school in 2000 to Wasps. I spent three years at Wasps. I'm going to give you a whistle-stop tour here, lads, because I don't want to bore you. Fantastic. Yeah, no, it's great. Three years at Wasps, and then I moved over to Ireland for one year to Connaught, which is in Galway. Um, My my grandparents are Irish. They're from Belmullet, west of Ireland. It's kind of the bleakest part of Ireland, probably. Um, Absolutely in the middle of the shticks. And I suppose that's where I first started uh, learning a little bit about whiskey, tasting whiskey, obviously learning about tasting Guinness as well, which is, tastes very good over there. Yeah. Uh, learning about porcine, which my granddad used to actually mm. make. Um, so yeah, I only spent a year there. Then I moved to Newcastle Falcons, where I spent three years. Uh, moved back to Galway for five years. Then moved across to Dublin for four and a half years, and I now find myself back in Newcastle. Uh, I've been back here. I've retired about three years ago, and I've been back in Newcastle about two years. And I suppose over lockdown, I've always had a enjoyed whiskey haven't known much about it and i think maybe i was saying to you before is it a bit of a midlife crisis i'm not sure but <laughs> i seem to be getting into i seem to be getting into whiskey uh cigars and i even said they're the the old um harmonica as well so um oh. 
so yeah and I suppose during lockdown it's just given me that kind of being stuck in an office kind of 24-7 for a year it's you know I've just found myself migrating here in the evenings and reading up on stuff watching stuff listening to your podcasts um I enjoyed listening to episode 40 today on uh, Johnny Walker Blue Label because my mum got me a bottle for Christmas and I haven't I haven't tried it yet. So, um, yeah, I wanted to get a bit of a heads up on it before I, I, I crack it open. Oh, I hope you enjoy that. So, yeah, rugby as a career, that's a long career in rugby. I mean, to have got through that long of a career and not have to end your career early with injury, that's that's fantastic. I am a massive rugby fan. Right. Uh, so, I, I this is... Yeah, I am a. In fact, um, I actually have a. I have a program uh, here, um, Mike, from a game which you played at. Right. Um, it, it, well, you were on the bench, but you came on. <laughs> I, I know which game it was, and we got. I think we got spanked, and it seemed to coincide with me coming off the bench. Um, I think. I, 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 think, I, think I, I think Ireland were doing all right until I came on, and then we seemed, seemed to ship about three or four tries. So. Yeah, it was a great yeah. game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, great game. Yeah, great game for you. Yeah, yeah. Actually, um, I must admit that was one of the best piss ups I've had after a game after that white match. So, uh, but yeah, it's under sad circumstances, unfortunately for me. Yeah, it was. It was a great day out. The weather was good. Uh, I have got a lot of great memories of that day. It was. A, it was a good day yeah. to be an England rugby fan. That's for sure. So, yeah, yeah. obviously, you got a number of caps for Ireland which is incredible achievement. So well, well done for that. What were the highlights of being an international rugby player? What, what's the bit that you look back on most and go, that was amazing? Yeah, I think, um, first of all, you know, like I got 19 caps, but I didn't get my first cap till I was 29, which is pretty late. So, you know, I, was a, I suppose I was a late developer. I thought the ship had kind of sailed uh, in terms of getting capped. And, you know, luckily I kept working hard, persevering, and eventually eventually came it kind of coincided with playing behind some of the best locks in, in probably in the world at that time in Paul O'Connell Donnacroke um, Callahan, and all you know Absolutely. those guys so um, look I was just you know thankful that I, I did eventually get get capped uh, memories wise would probably be my first cap away to Scotland um, you know with my family being there probably a big moment for me was getting man of the match against South Africa. Um, that was a big day for me and the family. Um, but yeah, sometimes I think you, you kind of remember more of the losses than, than the wins. And, you know, unfortunately 2013 where we were winning against the all blacks in the 80th minute and yeah. they scored in the 84th minute to win it. Um, I haven't cried after many games, but that was one of them. And the other one would be the semi-final in extra time of the champions cup to, Toulon, where Habana got an intercept try to score. So, yeah, yeah sometimes the losses uh, resonate in the memory more than, than the wins, unfortunately. So those two always come to stick in my head anyway. What's it like facing a hacker? <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah it's, 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 it's incredible. You know, you've got so much respect for the team, the All Blacks in itself. Um, and it's spine-tingling. I faced it as a young fella in uh, the Under-21s World Cup and... Yeah, I think people who haven't played professionally and, you know, they see it on the TV and they think, wow, is that really scary and really daunting? And, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's that at all. It's just, it's, you feel so lucky to and privileged to have the opportunity to stand there and face it. And it's spine tingling. It's, if it just motivates you. you, you know, you're looking at them and it's just absolute respect to them as a team. And, you know, you've got your, the tingles going down your spine and you just can't wait to get stuck into it and, you know, challenge yourself against the, the, the best in the world. So, um, yeah. And then, you know, just obviously the, the crowd going wild, you know, it's complete silence when the hack is going on and 
you know, just seems to ramp up the volume and the excitement, the atmosphere within the stadium. So yeah, I wish I'd, I wish I'd, I wish I'd faced it more, but um, you know, I, I'm happy enough to have faced it once, I suppose. That's yeah. insane. I was in New Zealand for the World Cup 2019, and it was just yeah. being in a bar when the All Black, you know, when a hacker was happening in New Zealand. That was something to actually yeah, face yeah. it. That must have been. Amazing. Yeah, it's it just just being in the, in the crowd when it's happening is yeah. is amazing. I'd say one of the highlights of my life was being at the the 2015 World Cup final when uh, Australia and New Zealand played, and and the atmosphere during that hacker was like no other time I've ever seen it. Probably because it's the only time I've seen it where it's essentially was a neutral crowd, so everyone there was just so respectful of what yeah. was going on. Uh, but yeah, it's I, it's a, it's amazing amazing thing I, that they do. Yeah, I, I, my kids love it as well. I've got a five-year-old and a two-year-old girl, and well, it's my five-year-old. It's whenever they're playing and the hacker comes on. We have to, I think the last time we had to rewind it about ten times, and she was doing <laughs> yeah. all the stuff at the front. It's hilarious. So, yeah, <laughs> amazing, amazing. So, since rugby, uh, Mike, what are you up to? Are you, st- are you still involved in the sport somehow? Do you do any commentating or anything like that? Yeah, no, I'm I'm still uh, very involved in it. When I finished playing, I, I coached for a bit in Ireland. I was a forwards coach with, with the team over there um, in the All Ireland League, and you know, really enjoyed that. And I thought that was my kind of route to, uh, to life after rugby. But ultimately, I wanted to get my weekends back, and I wanted to be settled somewhere and not have to be uh, you know up sticks like when you're a player and be prepared to have to you know move here, there, and everywhere. So my wife's from Newcastle, so that's where we wanted to be based and settle. Um, and uh, sorry, I've I've wandered off. What was it? What was it? It's probably probably the head back. Oh yeah, sorry, I've got it. I've got it. Yeah. So uh, yeah, after that, so then I moved back to Newcastle, and um, I'm working with the Rugby Players Association. So uh, it's, we're a union that represent uh, the 12 Premiership clubs: England women, England sevens, England rugby, uh, and then the team that gets relegated in this case, Saracens. So yeah, I uh, I kind of I'm a development manager, so helping players for life after rugby and you know, hopefully I can relate to them having played 17 years myself so yeah, yeah absolutely very, very much enjoying that so yeah and then commentary on the side as well I'm uh, I'm doing some stuff with BT on Saturday for Connett Leicester versus Connett so yeah that's yeah it's it's nice to stay involved and um yeah I enjoy it. Uh, I, have, I have one more question, which we should have asked earlier, actually. How, how, when you started under 21s, you were with England, right? How does yeah. that work when you go from one country to another? And who do you support in that regard? Yeah, well, well, I, I, nearly, I, nearly, I nearly actually touched on it there before, but I thought I was waffling on a bit, so I wouldn't mention it. But yeah, as you say, I played England 21s, but a lot of people don't realise is that I actually was trying to play for Ireland 21s first. So I just wasn't getting selected. So right. I was at Wasps 2000 to 2003. I wasn't on a proper contract at that stage in my first year. So I was actually missing uh, Wasps under 21s games because I was flying over to Ireland to train um, and I wasn't getting selected for any of the, the games. So I had to kind of take a back step and say, look, I'm going to concentrate on Wasps. I need to be playing for them week in, week out and to secure a contract. Um, so I did that. And then in the summer, I got called up to play England 21s and I suppose whatever age you're at but especially when you're a young fella you just want to play at the highest level you possibly can and you know that was the opportunity and I grabbed it with both hands and you know didn't look back and for whatever reason I ended up going back to Ireland and uh, yeah just went down the the, the Irish pathway so uh, yeah when England are playing Ireland you know 100% support Ireland you know uh, I'm very proud of my mm. heritage my grandparents and um, you know I, I get I get abused from 
my mates, both sides of the sea, the Irish lads give me abuse for having an English accent and the English lads give me abuse for, for playing for Ireland. So I can't win. I've got used to it now. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I love my time over there. Whiskey! As you said, when you spent your time in Galway uh, playing for Connacht, you started developing a love for whiskey and drinking whiskey. So let's now move on um, to talking a bit about whiskey. Do you have a favourite? Yeah, do you have a favourite whiskey? Yeah. Okay. So as I mentioned at the start, for anyone, for any listeners, that you know, I am an absolute novice, but I'm definitely my knowledge is you know, especially over lockdown, has increased massively, um, and I'm just absolutely loving it. But yeah, I suppose I. Irish whiskey is definitely my favourite, and I've tried to branch out and learn a bit more about kind of New World whiskies, Japanese whiskies, you know, Scotch whiskey. You know, even just learning things like the five regions of Scotch whiskey. You know, the Highlands, Lowlands, Speyside, mm-hmm. Campbelltine, Isla. You know, that's knowledge I didn't have a year ago, and yeah. it excites me. But I do prefer Irish whiskey. I, I find it, I find it smoother, and I don't necessarily enjoy the. Not that I don't enjoy it. You know, there's some some Scotch whiskey I find. Is it too peaty? It's smoky, um, yeah. Smoky and two pizza. Yeah, I do prefer the Irish. A friend of mine who I played with at Connor, Frank Murphy, he's now a professional referee. He bought me, a, he's from Cork, and he bought me um, a bottle of Redbreast 12-year-old. And Lovely. Ever since then, um, I've got a bottle here on my desk, but uh, ever since then, that's been a big, big favourite of mine. Um, really enjoy that. And then, you know, I love Teeling's as well because... Uh, you know, I know the two Teeling brothers. I know their distillery opened in 2015, and you know, I got I got lucky enough to get a tour of it. So, oh, you're uh, lucky. Yeah, I've, we've only had the virtual one so far. Oh, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> just, 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 I mean, just it's just everything with to do with whiskey. You know, the history, the story behind making it, the journey it goes on, and you know, like I said, I've learned a lot in the lockdown. You know, just just knowing on the Jameson bottle, the Latin sine meto, which means um, without fear. Mm. The Teeling's bottle, the, the the phoenix on the front, the rising of the phoenix from the ashes, kind of redefining yeah. its identity after it was lost, and uh, yeah, just you know, learning about the angel share, just things like that. I just you know, I just find it so interesting, and I'm not sure it's because I'm getting older, but yeah, it's just a newfound passion and hobby, which has been great for me since I finished my rugby. I agree. I think there's a there's a romance to it, which I wasn't aware of before we started really getting into it. You know, it was just a drink on the shelf, but it, it's yeah. not. It's more than that. The process behind it, the people behind it, the stories. Yeah, uh, it, yeah that may sound a bit dramatic, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and as a musician, I'm probably in a song where I'm probably prone to that. But uh, I, I do think there is a there is a big part of that um, which makes it when you do get into it and when you when you start that journey that, that I think we're all probably at a similar stage on that you do you can really buy into it in a big yeah. way that uh, and it's my my girlfriend's. She can't drink it. She she's tried. She can't drink right. it. But she's loving learning about it because it yeah. is so fascinating. Uh, we're trying to find various cocktails that she might like, but she absolutely loves. She likes smelling it and yeah. the history and, and the stories and the people. It's it's yeah. all of that stuff she's really enjoying and the different bottle shapes. It's little things yeah. like that, isn't it? And the sound of the cork, all those things around it are just yeah. quite amazing. Yeah, my missus is. Uh, we did Hadrian's Wall in lockdown a, a good few months ago now, but you know, I took my hip flask, took a cigar, and. Yeah, my missus, my, my wife wouldn't be like mad into it, but she she does like a little, a little you know, t- a little a little dram, you know, a little taste. So she was loving that out the hip flask on the on the walk in Hadrian's Wall. She was, yeah. uh, but yeah, no, sorry, I know I mentioned Redbreast Twelve Year Old. I got sent um, uh, Dingle Batch Five recently as well, um, and that was absolutely fantastic. Um, really enjoyed that one as well. 
Yeah, yeah. we um, have you had uh, Samuel Gelston's? I haven't, no. No. It's a Belfast whiskey. Uh, they're an independent bottler, so they're not actually distilling yet, but we got to send some of that, and it's amazing. If you see it, it's really good value as well. If you see a bottle yeah. of that, definitely, oh, definitely. Oh, definitely right. I've got my little hit list on my phone of like ticked off what I've had, and once, you know, when someone tells me, so I'll definitely add that to the list. Um, Their blend is like £20 a bottle, and it's it's definitely up there, one of the best blended, especially Irish whiskies I've ever had. Mm. It was so, such an easy drink. Yeah, yeah. Even um, the so, Pinot Noir finished one's only 25 quid and that's a beautiful yeah. one as well yeah well worth it uh, lads i've been like i know so we're talking about irish whiskey there but I, one i have really enjoyed because i know johnny walker's a blended and um you know obviously it's a premium it's quite expensive isn't it so yeah um i've been really enjoying which is very affordable bottle is the monkey shoulder oh um, yeah love that and like yeah that's, i love the bottle of the design of the bottle and yeah, I, lo- I looked it up. I think it said it's, it was the best-selling blended scotch in in the world, 2019. I think, if I'm right. Um, but yeah, I've really, really enjoyed yeah. you know having that for for value for money. And you know, I think the taste is is brilliant. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a blended malt, so it's made of single malts. It's got Glenfiddich, uh, Balvenie, and I think yeah. a third one in there. So it's all quality stuff going in there, and it's right. really good value. It's one yeah. of my favourites for sure as well. Yeah, yeah you yeah. have it on your uh, on your shelf regularly, don't you, Nick? Yeah, I, yeah, I try to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm discovering so many regular whiskies now. <laughs> yeah. Have you been doing any like online tastings, Mike? At all? Uh, I haven't done any tastings. I've done. I've been doing a course on U, uh, Udemy. It's uh, yeah. It's it's a beginner's whiskey course, and yeah, it's, okay. it touches on New World whiskies, Irish, Scotch, Japanese, and everything. Nice. Uh, you know the distillation process, and you know that's given me a real good grounding. So like the, I suppose the foundations to kind of. Uh, go forward and learn yeah. so yeah it's just I mean there's just so much to learn it's yeah. look at Irish whiskey in the distilleries I think 2011 there was only four distilleries and now there's 20 plus and yeah, you yeah. Know, all redefi- redefining their their identity you know uh, making a push on, on Scotch market now going forward yeah it's it's a really really the Irish market is really interesting what's going on there it's similar to English whiskey as well there's a lot of interesting stuff going on uh, and lads another thing like I'm sorry I'm just reeling off random stuff here but Please. you know the, the old single pot still you know not too long ago i didn't realize that was a kind of to avoid you know the british crown that avoid the tax they, yeah. they mixed the malted and unmalted to avoid uh, the tax so you know like it's just like yeah. everything is just so interesting. most rules in whiskey have come about because of tax i've discovered yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know because um i think it, it, even in america they started making um bourbon and stuff with their leftover corn Otherwise, they'd have to, like, give it away. But the thing is, and we couldn't do that in England, I think. I think if something to do, like, if you had leftover barley in Great Britain, it belonged to the Queen. Wow. So they just started making whiskey with it. It's all about just keeping the resources. And then the the, the Irish whiskey, the the Prohibition 1920 to 1933, I think think Irish whiskey accounted for, like, 70% of the global market. And then that's where it fell on its knees after, in 1933, after that. Yeah, mm. um, yeah, totally lost their. That's why they're all kind of refining their identity now, which is yeah. which is brilliant. Well, there's loads of things. Ireland didn't kind of adopt the uh, continuous still, the coffee still. Funny enough, Ineos Coffee, oh, who yeah, invented yeah. it, he was Irish, but then Ireland didn't want to adopt it because they didn't right. think continuous distillation was real whiskey. So then okay. he took it to Scotland, and then right. they started making blended whiskey, which is why they could survive because they can make it quicker yeah. and right, yeah. cheaply. Yeah. So. 
to the single things. pot still before we get on to this whiskey. That is a very Irish thing, right? Using just a single pot still. Am, am I right in saying that? One of you, I'm hoping, is going to tell me more about this. Well, I'll have a crack. So, sorry, the single pot still. Yeah, again, I only realised. So, obviously, single made and produced from the one distillery. Um, and then, yeah, it's made with uh, malted and unmalted barley in its mash bill. So yeah, defines you know that's my knowledge at the moment is that it, that defines Irish whiskey. That's the point of difference in terms of you know how, how it's made. Yeah, the word single pot still it sounds confusing because it sounds like yeah. a single pot. But again, with single malt, it means one distillery, and yeah. the pot part was to differentiate it from the column still stuff, which okay, yeah. Scotland was doing. So it's single pot, but uh, yeah, I think it has to have at least thirty percent malted barley 30 percent non-malted there can okay. be other grains in there um yeah. but yeah the single pot still it's lovely stuff but then it is triple distilled as well so right. uh, mainly oh sorry can i ask you a question as well being the experts you are so <laughs> i've done loads of reading on this and i keep getting different answers but do you know what the actual reason is why irish whiskey has an e in it it's because i've heard because of you know, era E-I-R-E, I've heard just simply a marketing tool to differentiate it from, you know, Scotch whiskey. That's what I've heard. I've heard it's, yeah. it was literally, I think it was in Ireland first. I think Scotland dropped the E. Right, okay. To differentiate yeah. it. That's the understanding okay. I have. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but of course, America took on the Irish spelling because of the Irish yeah. settlers and them elsewhere yeah. in the world, they just kept the, the Scotch one. Um, yeah. But yeah, it all, it all varies depending on who you talk yeah. to, really. yeah. Yeah. But uh, I'm guessing when they went over to New York, you know, the Irish settlers, etc., they took the E with them. Mm. <laughs> yes. Love that. Mm. Shall, I pour a, shall I pour a drop there, lads? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Whiskey bots roll out. This week's whiskey. Teeling, single grain. Look at that. 46% ABV. We had teeling before, if I remember correctly, Nick. It was back in episode nine. I think you told me that before we came yeah. on, so I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I'm, I'm acting like I've uh, done Long the research ago. myself, but thanks very much for telling me that. Oh, good. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. We, what one did we do though, Nick? They call it the small batch, don't they? Small batch, yeah. It was finished yeah. off in rum barrels. So it's a nice, sweet uh, vibe. We did like it. We did like it a lot. We talked a little bit about teeling back in episode nine just a little recap as it were because it's quite a new distillery again this one um re-established shall we say in 2015 by jack and stephen teeling um who opened this distillery again in the golden triangle in dublin which was historically where all the distilleries were back in the 1800s yeah the original one was founded in 1782 by walter teeling on who uh founded this little craft distillery that was then bought by different company, but the same family as, as John Jameson. Um, but that eventually closed in 1923. Now, after that, as we kind of just discussed a little bit, there was a bit of a catastrophic error in Irish whiskey industry, um, shall <laughs> we say. And it took John Teeling, a descendant of Walter Teeling, in 1987 to reopen a distillery, which they called the Cooley Distillery, in an attempt to restart the Irish uh, whiskey industry, uh, using column distillation, funnily enough. So, yes. Um, and then that was eventually bought by Beam Suntory. Bought that. That was in 2012. And 2015 is when Jack and Stephen Teeling brought the Teeling name back into, <laughs> into the Irish uh, whiskey circle shall we say and then that's what we got here and as you said earlier on mike the uh the phoenix rising from the pot still is their logo to uh, kind of signify the rebirth i i, I obviously had a 
quick read up knowing I was coming on the podcast. So, um, you know, I just picked up as well. You know, they've they've gone for like a unique vision with more premium urban and modern approach to their to their whiskey production. Um, yeah. And as you, yeah, I, I had that as well. His father John was a pioneer of the Irish whiskey revival, finding Cooley in 1987 and later reopened Kilbegan. Oh yeah, uh, okay. And then the, the family, uh, you know, sold in 2012, and Stephen and Jack set up, uh, as you said, there in 2015. Yeah, mm. so actually ended up buying casks from Beam Santori, some aged stuff to actually start teeling up again. Before because they opened a distillery. Yeah, around the same time, I think, because obviously they right. had to distill it and then age it. So right, they, they had some something to sell. But it was nice. from, you'd think, from the same kind of vibe. It was John Teeling, you know, who, who had kind of distilled that stuff. So so now if you see Teeling Whiskey on the shelf, it's an independent company, basically. It's one of those yeah. ones which isn't owned by a big clon- conglomerate. 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 <laughs> That's a word, isn't what it? a word. Um, right, but, uh, so. So, yeah, but this one. Which is the single grain, 46% ABV. So this differs from other ones, as we were saying earlier, on like the single pot still stuff, and they do a single malt as well. This is a single grain, which usually means it has single, like malted barley and a load of other grains kind of in there. But what's interesting about this one is this is 95% corn. So this is like got more corn than pretty much every bourbon out there. (laughs) I was just about to say that sounds like this This should be a bourbon then. This would be classed as a corn whiskey in the States, (laughs) you know. Is that why it's, is that why it's a bit that's where the spiciness comes from then, isn't it? I think the the sweetness comes from the corn. Usually spiciness comes from the rye aspect in in a lot of uh, bourbons, etc. And it's matured in Californian Cabernet Sauvignon barrels, I think, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's enough. That's why it's so interesting to me because there's, yeah. there's, there's a mash bill and a finish which I've never had together before. This is no age statement, but I found out that it's aged five to six years. Um, again, yeah, French oak, Californian Sauvignon Blanc. No, Cabernet Sauvignon. I don't know much about wine. Um, from, <laughs> from Napa Valley. Um, the corn from this comes from the south of France, apparently. And triple distilled. Although I read on their website that it includes column distillation. So I think this was made, actually. You think about the ageing, how long it was aged. I think this may have been made at the Cooley Distillery and then aged because they have the column still there, which was originally bought by John Teeling, etc. Um, right. I see. You know, but it does involve some sort of column distillation, which I'm, I'm interested in. But yeah, it's very interesting. It's a winner of the Best Irish Grain 2019 World Whiskey Awards, apparently. Yeah. Yeah, the, actually, the new, uh, the new awards are out now as well I believe or they're starting to come out I start to see some uh, some releases so we should see if Teeling on them maybe not right now but we could have a look um, so uh, yeah I'm going to I'm going to start start having a smell of this it's weird because I straight away it does smell like a bourbon to me and, and I'm guessing that's the corn mash right yeah it's all corn <laughs> I yeah. love about it but you can smell that wine aspect in there as well Ooh, cheers nice that on my clever microphone. cheers <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's really quite sweet on the nose isn't it oh it's fruity too. I'm getting mm. honey, honey and spice. Yeah, yeah. Bit of banana, pineapple. Oh yes, there's definitely some pineapple in there. Yeah, there's a sharpness to it, isn't there? Yeah, the honey's really coming through. Oh yeah, this is this smells delightful. Right, I'm gonna have a little sip, gentlemen. Yeah, definitely. Cheers. I thought you'd never ask. Like, cheers. <laughs> <laughs> Launcher. All that talk. Launcher. Okay, not what I was expecting at all. In a good way or a bad way? In a good way. Yeah. In a really good way. I'm not getting much of the wine. I think for me, the not wine first is coming through on the tannin, that tannin feel. Yeah, it's not overpowering though. 
Oh, that like is we, a beautiful, beautiful drop. I find it quite light, bit of spiciness, mm. buttery. Would that be I, the right? I was yeah. gonna. I was just about to say this has a buttery feel to it, and definitely, yeah, that's ah, oh, feels cheeky to say smooth, but it is so smooth as well. Which is obviously so typical of Irish whiskies, but yeah, oh, that's really good. <laughs> it's really good. There's a vanilla in there. Are you getting a vanilla? Yeah. Caramel. Vanilla fudge. You know, it was similar to what was it we had the other week that had the vanilla the um the Glenfiddich fifteen had that vanilla fudge to it as well. Yeah, it's nice. It's funny when you compare ones, I'm talking my head goes straight back to why? What process makes did it. those two whiskies go through to create that that palette or so, so sorry, the spiciness comes from the, the rye, the sweetness comes from the corn, did you say? Um there's no rye in this, so the spiciness okay. is probably coming from somewhere somewhere else. But that, that could be just the, the feeling of burn. Could but be again, from the wine. Maybe from the wine. This is a really good drop. How much is this, Nick? Uh, Whiskey Exchange doing it forty seven ninety five. Okay, so that's on that's on the end of special treat. Well, the, you know, the start of special treat territory for me. Yes, that and is special treat town. I wouldn't be disappointed. <laughs> with this saving this for a special treat i think this is a really nice drop i think it's lovely it's um it's fresh it's loads fresh of is so good yeah i see have some tasting notes here from billy abbott and he's he mentioned some spice like cinnamon and nutmeg uh is what he he found from it um grape skin polished oak remember the furniture polish note i had a few weeks back from something <laughs> yeah. else a tinge of that. There's a bit of brown sugar in there, I think, as well. Something, something mm. like, yeah. like a caramelized. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Sugar. The grape thing is interesting. Now he said. Now he said that I am getting some grape in there. Yeah, for me, the grape skin is the tannin. You know, when you like just eat the grape skin, and you it like curls your tongue up almost. Like, you know. yeah, I'm I'm not angry with this at all. This is <laughs> and, or disappointed. <laughs> <Not angry>. uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> very good very good um i don't know why obviously it's a beautiful day today we're, we're lucky it's like the first day the sun is really shining it's a really nice day this is really refreshing i was actually quite nervous and god do i want to have whiskey on a on a monday afternoon when the sun's out and it's this this nice you know but this is a perfect whiskey yeah. i think it, it would be nice chilled as well like uh wouldn't wouldn't feel wrong sticking a, a cube of ice in this and and enjoying it or just you know having a chilled glass Mm. It has that freshness to it, which actually sitting there in a as the sun's going down, I would quite enjoy a glass of this sitting there on my non balcony. Uh, <laughs> stick your head out, you Julia. Stick out, yeah. yeah. I think tomorrow's going to be a, a fab Scorcher. day here, so I think I'm going to get. I've got it planned. I'm going to get the barbecue on. Oh, I'm going to get nice. a fire pit once kids are done. Get the fire pit on. Maybe I've got a couple of cigars. I might have a little cigar, and Ooh. I might crack open the old Blue Label tomorrow. Nice, beautiful. So, yeah. On a Tuesday. Oh, that's, that's living. That's yeah, living. That is. living. That's off. Yeah, well, I was just there at the start saying I don't drink during the week, but then you know, you've got to, when, it, when, it, when, it, when it's sunny in Newcastle, lads, you've got to take that opportunity. Oh no, no absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, we've got sun here also, in Manchester today, but apparently it's going to snow later in the week. What's, what's going on with that? What? <laughs> don't know. What? Yeah. Why did I move here? This is yeah. So this is a this is a beautiful drop. I've been asking that question ever since you did, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> this is a beautiful drop. I'm really glad that we tried this. And this is the second Teeling whiskey I've had and that I've been so impressed with. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait to go get to get to Dublin and do the tour, Nick. I don't know about I you. I can't wait. Absolutely cannot wait. 
What's it like down there, Mike? Is it, is it impressive? Obviously, it's a new distillery, but there's tradition there. Have they tried to make it feel old, or have they gone yeah. down the route of this is new? No, we're going to make it all shiny you new. You can obviously appreciate the history and the, the kind of the old side of it, but as that is their point of difference, the kind of modern urban approach. So it is very like I've done the James the James the Jameson distillery has been kind of. Um, uh, re- redone now, so um, I'm looking. I haven't seen that since it's been done. I'm not sure if it's actually open. Well, it's not open because of lockdown. But uh, looking forward to seeing that when it is open. But I, I mean, I went on a, a stag do a couple of years ago, and you know, guys all from over in England. We went over, so I was able to kind of show the guys around a bit, and we did uh, the Guinness, the Guinness factory, we yeah. did the Jameson, um, and like the the Jameson distillery was absolutely brilliant. I I really enjoyed that. And, Same the, the, um, that, one, that old one in Dublin. That's such yeah. a special place. What they've done with that. Yeah, and uh, yeah, but the Teenings one's absolutely fantastic, and um, yeah, it's just it's a bit more of a modern approach. But it's yeah, like absolutely loved it. Really enjoyed it. So definitely go and do that if you if you're over in Dublin. Absolutely, that's the plan. That's the plan. Lads, I've got yeah. my list here on my phone, right? So I'm gonna can, if I got time to whistle through what I've had. I've got a tick next to of what I've tried in lockdown. Go, yeah, go. All right, okay. This can be like a minute thing or something. So, yeah, Suntory Hibiki, tick. Red Breast 12, tick. Lagavulin 16, tick. Glenmorangie 10, no, not yet. Henry McKenna 10, no. Teeling Black Pits, tick. Teeling uh, Single Grain, tick. Whistle Pig Rye, no. Tullamore Dew, tick. Monkey Shoulder, tick. Jura 10, no. Bullet Bourbon, Bullet Bourbon, sorry, tick. Suntory Toki, tick. Dad's Hat Rye, no. Jameson Black Brow, tick. Yellow Spot, tick. Green Spot, tick. Uh, and that's where I'm at, up to now, lads. So I've, nice. I've done eight of those. I was counting on my fingers. Oh, okay. So that's not too bad. Similar similar amount, amount to you. What, where did you get that list from? Was that just a... That, that's just from chatting to kind of friends. and There's actually a guy called Chris Custer. He used to play for Scotland. He's now, oh, yeah. he's now um, got a whiskey business. He lives in... I'll come to me in a minute. Anyway, he's based out there and he took a massive punt to set up a a, a whiskey company over there. Didn't realise how much competition there was and it was very stressful two, three years setting it up, but he's absolutely smashed it and he's he's doing fantastic. So, uh, but he told me, sorry, yeah, he told me to try uh, Dalwini 15 and Balvenie 12. Um, So I've added those to my list as well. Yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan of the the Balvenie stuff, that's for sure. We, we We had a Dalwini recently which um yeah we did the uh, the winter's gold the, didn't the, it? the winter's gold they advertised putting that one in the freezer and i can't i we both were like yeah whatever this is marketing trip it's very nice and it was incredible nice. so you left the bottle in the freezer and then and also your, your glass and it was amazing it was one of those amazing experiences that we've had since doing this mm. uh, sorry he, he's he's based in la he's a he's a whiskey retailer in los angeles Right, nice. um, and I just, just like I hadn't met him before, but I knew someone who knew him. We just jumped on a Zoom call like this, and like I could have been on all night. We were just shooting the breeze. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it's dead interesting hearing his story of how he set up, and he totally didn't appreciate the kind of extent of lack of knowledge he had, and the realization of the competition, obviously, over in the US. And mm. um, but yeah, he's he's done he's done really well. So yeah, they've um, nearly got more distilleries and people over there, haven't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it feels yeah. that way. But, um, yeah, this is a beautiful drop. Now, Mike, thanks so much for joining us uh, to do this and to, to drink this whiskey with us uh, and, and for telling us a bit about, bit about your story. Um, hopefully, we'll be able to do this in person one day uh, when we get up to Newcastle, perhaps, and then uh, come and join you for a, for a whiskey. There's, Around the fire pit. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. Absolutely. Or there's, uh, there's, I mean, 
Yorkshire's not too far away from you. There's a distillery in Yorkshire we could go and visit. I'm sure we could uh, do a little distillery tour at some point. So, yeah, there's one opening up here in the northeast soon. Um, oh, what, right on the border, isn't it? I've read about yeah, that as well. And uh, I've now, yeah, that's Ad Geffrin, sorry. Ad Geffrin. So, yeah, that's opening up, up soon. So that's pretty exciting. But, yeah, if you're up, lads, if you're up in Newcastle, give me a shout. Bring bring the old guitar. We'll sit around the fire pit. Oh, mate, sounds, sounds amazing. Yeah. Can't wait. Shoot the breeze. Can't wait. Thanks so much for joining us, Mike. Uh, we'll, we'll hope to see you again. Lads, thanks for having me. All the best. Thank you. You're listening to Whiskey and Things. Mate, loved that. That was absolutely amazing. It was good, wasn't it? What a lovely guy. Yeah. Great knowledge too. Like, yeah, he's, he's, he's loving learning like us and uh, yeah. let's love a little conversation there. Yeah. It's, I was, I was a little bit starstruck. Not going to lie. It's not, not every day you get to talk to someone who you've seen play rugby at Twickenham in front of 90,000, people, is it? Who you wanted to get battered. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the other part of that equation. Yeah. But the, f- the thing is though, mate, the rugby, it's all fine once the final whistle's gone, isn't it? As he said, you know, yeah. you go and have a big piss up afterwards and that's exactly what it is. When you're, when you're at a rugby union game, international games, you're sitting next to the opposition fans yeah. as well. It's, that's the beauty of it, isn't it? It's, it's a, it's a lovely atmosphere. So uh, I wasn't expecting any uh, <laughs> any antipathy there. Is that a word? I don't, I don't know. know. I, think, I think I just made if a word it is, up. It's a good one. Yeah, it sounded great. <laughs> so, sounded it sounded good. Anyway, we love having Mike on, and uh, there'll be some of his social media stuff in the show notes. Uh, but Nick, have we got uh, got a little thing here? Have we have we got? Is, is it coming what? back? Is, is it co- is it coming back? It's been a few weeks, isn't it? It's back. Boots Round is back, everyone. Yes, we have a, a story for you. Uh, on the 27th of March, which was Saturday just gone, it was International Whiskey Day. Now, Nick, tell us all about this, because I saw your Instagram post that, that you put up, and I had no idea about this. Yeah, I mean, I'd heard of International Whiskey Day. And you see, there's so many whiskey days all throughout the year. Really <laughs> they really are. They really are. Yeah, we tried we to, to make a calendar recently, and we were like, what? Yeah. what? <laughs> but, Bourbon um, Day and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, there's all these whiskey days. Because I thought it was just appreciating whiskey internationally, like a lot of people would if they, you know, they're here International Whiskey Day. But I delved a bit deeper, and it's got a bit of a deeper meaning, this one. Um, International Whiskey Day was actually launched in 2009 at the Whiskey Day Festival in the Northern Netherlands. In the presence of several whiskey writers, um, it was actually an event created to honour the British whiskey and beer writer Michael Jackson. And the 27th of March is actually Michael Jackson's birthday. So that's why they they celebrate it on that day. So it publicly appreciates whiskey, which is one of his loves, but it also supports Parkinson's disease charities and awareness. And I think that's the important thing to get across because I didn't get that impression from a lot of things I was reading. So I just wanted to make sure people know about that. Um, Because he suffered from Parkinson's disease um, towards the end of his life when he died in 2007. But yeah, so it was a day to appreciate him and um, hopefully raise some awareness and raise a glass. I'm I'm assuming there's an International Whiskey Day website then, which talks more about these things. There is, yes. I had trouble getting on it the other day. Um, I had to get my research from other places, but uh, it should still be up there, and we'll put the link to that in the uh, description as well. Excellent. There Excellent. we go, everyone. But is it, Michael Jackson's a name I've heard a lot doing the research over the over the years. I've heard, he's, yeah, he's I've heard him up. being brought up a few times in a, in a few different things that we've done, and in in some in of podcasts the podcasts uh, and stuff I've been yeah, listening to as well. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. So, yes. so and some other things we were going to cover this week, but we're, we're trying to get to the bottom of them because we don't really understand it. But there's, <laughs> there's some kind of whiskey awards going on and we've seen thing, people post about them, but we're not really sure how it works. It's so, like, yeah, we're going to yeah, get into there, that. There's like 7,000 different awards. So it's quite, yeah. it's and quite complex. Different stages. There's different stages of these awards. And yes. People are listening to this now who know what we're talking about going, no, it's very simple. Yeah, yeah, boys. but we don't, this is new for us. This is new for us. And uh, neither of us in our little brief t- amount of time we had before this show to research it got to the bottom of it. So therefore, we're going to yeah. come back to it. We're, we're going to come back to it. Yes. Come back to it. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's, fine. it's absolutely fine. Uh, you know, it's the same same with News Round. When News Round happened, it never never showed every news story, did it, Nick? And that's no, the I same didn't. with Booze Round. Sometimes we're not going to even mention anything, and that's how this works. Anyway, <laughs> that's it for this week's Booze Round. Booze <laughs> Round. <laughs> Tell your friends. You're listening to the Whiskey and Things podcast. Do you know what we forgot to mention there, Nick? Uh, we forgot to mention that the full uncut video of our interview with Mike is on our Patreon page. It will be. Yeah, it's, it's on there. Our, so it's, oh, yeah, exactly. So if you're a member of our Patreon, go and have a look at that. Uh, and we're going we're gonna to do some other things on Patreon soon. So if you haven't joined... Go and join. It's always a good time to go and join up on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash whiskey and things. But that is all we have time for this week. Well, technically we have time for anything because it's a podcast, so we could go on for as long as we want. But we've, we've, we think that's enough. <laughs> we think that's enough for this week. You know, that's what they say at the end of things. Well, that's all we have time for this week. We could do that every week and just have it different lengths every week. I'm going to shut up now. <laughs> Oh, well, one, one day I'm going to test you with that and just keep going for about four hours. Just, just keep talking at you. Well, it feels like you do anyway, mate. Touche. Touche. Thank you to everyone who has, uh, has tuned in this far. Uh, we hope you enjoyed our interview with Mike. And uh, if you have tried the Teelin uh, single grain Irish whiskey, then please let us know your thoughts. Um, as always, we love to hear from you. Um, so until next week, I think it's time for us to say... Cheers. Thanks for coming. Whiskey and Things has been brought to you by And Things Productions.